Hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What will it be? I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd. Because I just happen to have two 20s and two 10s right here in my wallet. I was afraid they were going to be there till next April. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? You're not too busy, are you? <laughs> no, sir. Not busy at all. Good man. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. Welcome to Bourbon and Branch. Today is Sunday, March 18th. Bourbon is the main focus of this podcast, but when Irish eyes are smiling, sure to select the morning spring. So, we will honor the patron saint of Ireland like many of us did yesterday with a boozy snack of Jameson Irish whiskey, which I'll review later. But now it's time for some Bourbon 101 with a bit of a shamrock influence. From the Smithsonian Magazine. Long before Guinness brewed its first pint of stout, every March 17th, Ireland gave birth to what many consider that nation's signature tipple, whiskey. The name of the Emerald Isles Mower Potent Potable comes from the Gaelic for Water of Life. Further bolstering the case for whiskey as the most appropriate choice for St. Patrick's Day, legend claims the process of distillation was introduced to Ireland by none other than the saint himself. While no one knows for sure when whiskey made its debut, it is usually accepted that it originated in Ireland sometime in the Middle Ages. The first whiskey distillery licensed in the British Isles was Bushmills in Northern Ireland in 1608, before spreading to Scotland and later to the United States and Canada. What makes Irish whiskey different from the products of those countries? For one thing, spelling. For reasons that according to the Glutton's Glossary by John Ato, probably had to do with marketing rather than language differences. Around the end of the 19th century, it became standard the Irish and the Americans make whiskey and Scots and Canadians make whiskey. But more than an E distinguishes Irish whiskey from Scotch. Irish whiskey is made with a blend of malted and unmalted barley in the spot still phase, whereas Scotch uses only malted barley, grain that has been soaked so that it begins to sprout. Also, the malted barley and scotch is dried over peat smoke, which gives it its distinctive flavor. Irish whiskey, which is made from kiln-dried barley, tastes more of the grain itself. In order to appreciate the subtleties of flavor, the aficionado drinks Irish whiskey neat or with a bit of water, which is supposed to bring out the liquor's hidden characteristics. Of course, it also goes nicely with an Irish coffee. Now it's time for this week's Bourbon and Branch News. Jim Beam fills 15 millionth barrel as bourbon industry looks toward the future. WDRB Louisville is reporting that Jim Beam Distillery has reached a huge milestone. Fred and Freddie No filled the bourbon company's 15 millionth barrel Monday afternoon, a count that began at the end of Prohibition. We're the first distillery to hit that milestone, master distiller Fred No said. It just shows that the demand for bourbon is still strong. The industry as a whole now brings $8.5 billion a year to the bluegrass state. 
However, bourbon has boomed before only to see consumer preferences shift. We do refer to that time when clear spirits were on the rise and brown spirits were down. We refer to that as the Dark Ages, said Colleen Thomas with the Kentucky Distillers Association. So, could the Dark Ages ever return? Could it come? We can't say that it won't, Thomas said. We talk about it in terms of maybe less of a bubble bursting and more of just a leveling off. Of course, everyone prepares for that in their own way with their own business. Thomas added, There are a lot of reasons to believe that is well down the road, if at all. She cited the craft movement, expansion, and all-time production highs for feeling the way she does. If a downturn were to come, Thomas said experts in the business would see it well in advance. Plus, she said, there are still places in the world that haven't experienced the drink like its old Kentucky home. Bourbon Bottle fetches $10,000 and the Shawaka Charity Auction. Courtesy of the South Bend Tribune, area liquor purveyor Belmont Beverage knows how to deal with selling its most prominent but sometimes awkward pieces of merchandise. Pappy Van Winkle, a highly sought-after line of bourbon bottled at Buffalo Trace Distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky, represents a challenging situation. Pappy vintages only come out every so often in allotments. Liquor retailers get a set amount and no more. The question then becomes how to sell those bottles. The solution has been to put bottles of Pappy and other rare bourbons up for bid at charity auctions. Money raised on the available items over retail and tax goes to a designated charity. Belmont has hosted such events in each of its markets, South Bend, Mishawaka, Elkhart, and Fort Wayne for the last four years. Thursday's auction at a store on Cleveland Road across from the Heritage Square Shopping Center benefited a rosy place, a South Bend-based facility that assists medically fragile children and their families. Among the items available for bid was a rarer-than-rare bottle of Pappy, a previously unreleased 25-year vintage. Registered participants started showing up around 6 p.m. Thursday. As the 50-some people settled in, many made their way past the 25-year bottle of Pappy for a photo. They also looked over the other lots available, which included more Pappy vintages, plus bottles in the same stratosphere like Old Forester Birthday Bourbon and Elijah Craig Single Barrel 18-year. After about an hour of bidding on other items, the Pappy 25-year bottle took center stage. Belmont set the starting bid at $10,000. Alex Haggard, a Fort Wayne businessman, won the bottle to complete a collection of Pappy vintages for the bar being constructed in his basement. Haggard said the bottle will be on display upon the completion of his bar. Now it's time for this week's bourbon history. Keeping with the Emerald Isle theme, Irish whiskey was once on the verge of collapse. Now it's booming. From the Washington Post. Legend says St. Patrick drove all the snakes out of Ireland. What drove out the distillers? That's a more complex tale, and a true one since archaeological records indicate Ireland never had any snakes. It once had more than 1,000 distillers, though, ranging from those running tiny farm stills making Irish moonshine to some of the largest distilleries in the world. Despite a long history of taxation by the British, Irish whiskey survived, and by the mid-1800s, Irish distilleries were making whiskey that the world wanted to drink. Yet between that time and the 1940s, a series of trials and tribulations all but crushed Irish whiskey, dropping the number of commercial distillers in the country to three. How the category not only survived, but also staged a comeback is a story that should have whiskey lovers raising an appreciative dram. New distilleries are popping up around the country. There is talk of a boom, and many young makers are preserving the best traditions while exploring new directions. The early 20th century brought major challenges. 
Prohibition in America not only closed off a major market, but it also damaged Irish whiskey's reputation. Some bootleggers were falsely selling under an Irish whiskey label because they knew they could charge more. Americans who tried this hooch probably found it foul, fiery, and burning, which made it more challenging for the real whiskey to come back after the 18th Amendment was repealed. Irish whiskey hung on, but a trade war between Ireland and the United Kingdom in the 1930s was disastrous. Other whiskey-making countries, especially Scotland, gained market share with their blended expressions, while in Ireland, distillery after distillery closed down. In 1966, the three remaining Irish companies, John Jameson, John Power, and Cork, merged to form Irish distillers and consolidated their production. In 1988, Irish distillers became the subsidiary of Pernod Ricard. That 1966 merger and the later acquisition, which gave the company access to Pernod Ricard's global marketing capacity, did a lot to get Irish whiskey back on a path to survival. So did John Teeling, who in the late 1980s, after years of planning and work, ended Irish distillers' longtime monopoly when he launched Cooley Distillery. His sons Stephen and Jack went on to launch Teeling Whiskey, initially using stocks of Cooley's whiskey after Cooley sold to booze giant Beam Centauri in 2012. Teeling is the first new distillery in Dublin in 125 years. Now, says Stephen Teeling, we're trying to revive some of the heritage and innovative ways in which Irish whiskey is made going back generations, while also trying to make it relevant for newer whiskey consumers by innovating with different grains, the mash bill, and aging in different types of casks. Now for some bourbon trivia. Nine things you didn't know about Jameson. Courtesy of VinePair.com. When it comes to Irish whiskey, Jameson is by far the biggest brand. It's a beloved brand that's been growing like crazy over the past decade, backed up by a clever ad campaign. Those ads purposely at times stretch the truth, turning myths into facts. Whatever you may have heard, here are nine things you probably didn't know about Jameson. Jameson is the world's number one Irish whiskey. Jameson is the best-selling Irish whiskey in the world, ranking 41st among all liquors in 2014. In fact, it's the only Irish whiskey in the top 100. John Jameson was Scottish. John Jameson, the distillery's namesake, was actually a Scottish lawyer. He was born in Aloha in 1740. His wife, Margaret Haig, whose brothers were in the Scottish whiskey business, had family, the Steins, who owned the Bow Street Distillery in Dublin. The family motto, Sign Matu, means without fear. The Jameson family coat of arms seen on the brand's labels included the motto, Sign Matu, which means without fear. The family was granted the coat of arms in honor of the pursuit of pirates along the Scottish coast in the 17th century. John Jameson's in-laws family founded his distillery. The 1780 seen on Jameson bottles refers to the year the Bow Street Distillery was originally founded by John Stein. John Jameson was brought on as a general manager of the distillery, though he didn't actually take full ownership until 1805. In the 1970s, one company produced all the whiskey in Ireland. Irish distillers formed by a merger of John Power and Son, John Jameson and Son, and the Cork Distillery Company in 1966 and later Bushmills, was for over a decade the sole producer of whiskey in all of Ireland. 
John Jameson and Son didn't sell whiskey by the bottle until 1968. The distillery did not sell Jameson in bottles until 1968. For nearly two centuries, the whiskey had been sold exclusively by the cask to bonders. Jameson hasn't been distilled in Dublin since the 1970s. Since the 1970s, Jameson has been distilled in Cork at a distillery built by Irish distillers for all of their brands. Jameson is owned by a French liquor company. Pernod Ricard, one of the largest liquor companies in the world and based in France, acquired the Jameson brand when it purchased Irish distillers in 1988. And finally, 90% of Jameson's production is exported. When Pernod Ricard purchased Jameson, only half of its whiskey left the country and about half a million cases were produced annually. Today, 90% of the 4.7 million cases of Jameson produced are exported around the world. Now for a new segment I like to call Bourbon Shots. Three things you should never do when it comes to bourbon. By Anna Archibald. Bourbon can be a contentious issue for drinkers. There are all kinds of rules when it comes to enjoying a glass, but few of these rules are actually helpful. Instead of trying to figure out the sometimes intimidating world of bourbon on your own, these are the simple rules you need to know. Number one, don't spend more than $50 on a bottle. Okay, there are exceptions to this rule. For example, every whiskey lover would be thrilled to get his or her hands on a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. But, generally speaking, there's no need to break the bank when looking for a drinkable bourbon. It's even possible to find a really great bottle for under $30. You're going to drink it all anyway, so why not save your pennies for the inevitable drunchies? Number two, don't only drink bourbon neat. Many bourbon purists, the most vocal ones anyway, would have you believe that the sweet, slightly smoky elixir is only good for drinking neat. How dare you even add ice? And though this is indeed a foolproof way to enjoy bourbon, it's not the only one. Don't be afraid to add ice or a little bit of water to open the full potential of your beloved whiskey. Mixers are also encouraged. There are hundreds of bourbon cocktails out there for a reason. Want to take it a step further? Work bourbon into your desserts, too. Think holiday treats like a boozy, chocolatey bourbon ball or a delightfully cold and creamy bourbon vanilla and chocolate milkshake. And number three, don't tell other people how to drink their bourbon. Perhaps the most important rule of all, thou shalt not judge another's bourbon technique. It can be tempting to preach to someone about how that bourbon aged for 10 years and christened with the teardrops of angels shouldn't be tainted by apple juice or coke, or with anything else for that matter. But the reality is that people can, can and will drink bourbon however they please. Most bourbon distillers and experts also agree that bourbon makes a killer base spirit for all kinds of cocktails. So instead of making someone feel bad about the drinks they like, enjoy your neat glass of bourbon quietly. Now it's time for the Boozy Snack Review. Today's Boozy Snack is none other than Jameson Irish Whiskey. Jameson Irish Whiskey is 80 proof, 40% alcohol by volume. It's priced at around $24 to $30 for a 750 milliliter bottle, and it's distilled and bottled by John Jameson and Son, Irish distillers. So in the glass, Jameson Irish whiskey is a very light golden color, almost like apple juice. On the nose, uh, I get an aroma of a little bit of grain alcohol in the beginning, 
followed by honey and I'd say some apple and other overripe fruit. There's also like a bit of a bread, a bread sort of like grainy aroma to it and a little bit of citrus as well. Very similar to say a sourdough bread. Okay, let's take a sip of this and see what it tastes like. Okay, the tasty notes, I initially they're light and clean on the palate. A little bit of a burn. There's some hints of vanilla and a bit more citrus. There's not a whole lot there on the first sip, so let's take a second sip and see if we can get some more notes, some more flavors out of this Irish Jameson Irish whiskey. Okay, on the second sip, I'm getting some more grassy notes and almost like a cocoa taste. Yeah. There's a bit more alcohol on the back end. Um, and some slight, I don't know, caramel, maybe banana flavor to it. The mouthfeel is overall, it's pretty light. It's easy to drink. It finishes overall a little malty. The slight bit of alcohol. The finish is pretty short, so that's not too bad. Overall, I'd say it's a very decent Irish whiskey. So let's go to the grades here. Overall, for taste, I'd give it a solid C+. It's not going to knock your socks off, but overall, I'd say it's a tasty whiskey. One that's, I'd say, sippable, but probably makes a better mixer overall. The value, I'd say it's about a B for, for value. Um, $25, around $25 for a bottle, of a 750-milliliter bottle. It's a pretty decent value. It's what you're going to usually run into for most, you know, any well-known or um, quality brand of whiskey. So I would say that value-wise, it comes out to about a B. For availability, it's got to be an A+. Um, you're not going to have any trouble finding Jameson on the shelves at pretty much any place you, you know, buy your liquor at. So definitely an A plus on the availability factor for the bottle of Jameson Irish whiskey. So overall, I'd say that Jameson Irish whiskey deserves a solid B, maybe a B plus. You know, it's it's a it's a quality Irish whiskey. It's got good taste. Um, it mixes well. You know, everybody likes a good Jameson and ginger. Makes a good Irish mule. Um, it's widely available and it's not too pricey. So I don't, overall, I'd say it's a good bottle to keep in stock, keep in your rotation, and I'd give Jameson Irish Whiskey a solid B to B+. Well, that about does it for episode four of Bourbon and Branch. I'd like to end today's show with a few shout outs to some of my favorite podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and listen to the Vice Lounge Online podcast, the 360 Vegas podcast, the Faces and Aces Las Vegas podcast, the Vegas Confessions podcast, the Travel Fanboy podcast, the Unwritable Rant podcast, and the Bonkers for Bourbon podcast. All of them are entertaining, informative, and downright hilarious. Please be sure and follow Bourbon and Branch on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Burb in Branch. That's B-O-U-R-B, the letter N, Branch. On Instagram, I'm at Burb and Branch. That's B-O-U-R-B-A-N-D Branch. You can also join our Facebook group, Bourbon and Branch Podcast, or email the show, bourbonandbranchpodcast at gmail.com. I hope everybody enjoyed St. Patrick's Day yesterday, and I'll end by saying, always remember that there is no wrong way to enjoy bourbon, especially with friends and family sharing stories, laughs, and pours. Cheers, everyone.